This is the Off Coast Podcast, where we focus on entrepreneurs, investors, and advisors located outside of the large startup ecosystems on the coasts. Now your host, Mark Frank. Welcome, Todd Connor, <laughs> to the Off Coast Podcast. Thanks, Mark. Glad we have you here from Chicago, and you're the CEO and founder of The Bunker. And I will let you tell us exactly what The Bunker is. I love hearing from veterans and hearing how veterans are helping support other veteran entrepreneurs. So tell sure. me about The Bunker. Tell me about yourself, how you started The Bunker, and we'll go from there. Cool. Thanks, Mark. Uh, good to be on the, sh- on the podcast here. We started The Bunker started the bunker about a year and a half ago, really as a, as a desire to create a place where military veterans who want to start companies could come start companies, get mentors, get the things that they need to sort of get to the next level with with their company and it was a simple hypothesis that you know since then has kind of grown into a national organization we're in six different cities there's probably another five on the horizon for the next 18 24 months we have curriculum we have online platforms we're creating more in-person platforms i mean there's lots of sort of things happening under the construct of the bunker Mm -hmm. Um, but the gist of it is help military veterans start and grow companies. And the, and the primary driver of how we do that is through networks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you're starting a company in Chicago, Illinois, where I am, which I've done, it very quickly moves from an academic exercise to, you know, if I'm starting a consulting business, like, what do I need? I need my first client. I yeah. need a lawyer. I need a, an accountant. I need somebody that can tell me that's, that's dumb. I need yeah. somebody that can build a website, hopefully for less than $1,000, you know. Mm-hmm. I need all these things. And I don't actually even necessarily know what I need. So I also need somebody to tell me like, hey, you don't realize it, but this is actually what you need and to listen to that. And so that's what all entrepreneurs need. And Mm -hmm. I think veteran entrepreneurs need that as well. And the challenge for veterans is that they have great veteran networks um, or military networks, but they often don't have great entrepreneur networks. And so what we really tried to do with the bunker was create a, a network for veterans inside of the, the ecosystem, the larger ecosystem that's already there. So we plug into Techstars, we plug into 1871 where we're based, we plug into the Venture Capital Association, we plug into the universities. You know, they're already there doing the work. And what we're trying to do is kind of carve out that front door for veterans to pull them in uh, as well. And so, you know, that model in its earliest stages has been successful from a, from a standpoint of veterans coming to us wanting to participate. It's been successful from a standpoint of um, investors that are interested in investing in veteran-owned companies. They mm-hmm. just haven't really not known where to go to find yeah. those. And so we've created a banner, a platform where those folks can meet. But again, like for us, you know, we're a not-for-profit. We don't take an equity stake in the companies that are coming to us. We we believe in entrepreneurship as a as a vehicle for veterans to, you know, I'd say do two things. Number one is realize their full economic potential. And then the other is to realize their full human potential. And that's what matters to me. So so we have professional services companies. We have a roofing contractor. We have, we have apps. Yes, we have that too. You know, we we have a very diverse array of businesses, but all of it's built around uh, military veterans that are uh, starting those companies. That's great. So is the program? I know it, and I'm going to ask about it in terms of Chicago because sure. I do know, in speaking with Jonathan in Austin and Derek Distenfeld in uh, Jacksonville and some other folks who have been involved with the bunker. 
that there are different models in each city and you're, you allow the people who headed up in the city to be pretty flexible with how they institute it. So mm-hmm. in terms of how you do it in Chicago and what your real vision is long term, is it something where it's a programmatic experience like another accelerator or incubator where you're going to come in and we're going to give you X amount of time, whether it's 13 weeks or nine months or whatever, and that we'll build this network? Or is it more of you're joining this ecosystem and it's a, I mean, it's always a lifelong sort of, as long as your company's around, you're part of this network. That's mm-hmm. the way most of these accelerators are. Mm-hmm. But is this, is there some sort of program that you put in place where you go through? So for that for the roofing contractor mm-hmm. or somebody who isn't necessarily going to go down the venture capital fundraising route, what is what are they looking at from an involvement standpoint? Yeah, so I think for you know for us the big goal is to build a thriving ecosystem that lives on, right? So, so it's events, it's networking, it's programs. We do have a curriculum, but cities do things differently. Like mm-hmm. you know, and I like that. I mean, I think we're still in this. I don't say this publicly a lot, but you know, we're still learning. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like yes, we have corporate dollars, and we want to tell them that we know exactly what we're doing. But yeah, yeah. you know, the reality is we're running controlled experiments in different cities. Yeah. And learning things. I mean, Derek is doing things in, in Jacksonville that I'm like, wow, that's fascinating. I never would have thought of allowing non-veterans to join but charging them. Let's right. see what happens. You know, and they're doing things in Austin and D.C. I think that, you know, so the big bunker banner is is definitely an ecosystem that has intentional engagement for mentors and for people that participate. Mm-hmm. Inside of that, we, we want to build very structured programs. But... But I, I don't think it'll be like a sort of one-for-one. One. Like Techstars is fundamentally a program. I mean, right. that's kind of what it is. It's, yeah. it's a one-for-one. It's a, it's a program, and it's Techstars, and it's a, and it's a program. Yeah. You know? yeah. The bunker is a larger ecosystem that's going to have a lot of moving parts. I think, you know, inside of it, we want to build accelerator programs that look very similar to what Techstars is doing. Mm-hmm. We won't do those at all bunkers, but we might have one of those programs running a year out right. of Silicon Valley. We might have communities of interest that meet and do something different. So like in Chicago right now, for example, we have a weekly Thursday morning format that's open to everybody. And then we're now and we have a structure to that. But people come in who are mentors and entrepreneurs or just looking and they get value no matter where they are in that kind of chain. So kind of a million cups type of Exactly. Thing. It's like a million yeah. cups type format. Exactly. Yeah. And then what we're launching on November 11th at night is a very structured 14-week program that's called Epic, which is... Um, it's an acronym, but basically that's for aspiring entrepreneurs. Yeah. So we've built a very structured class with homework, with books that is about people who are um, probably currently employed, mm-hmm. like in a corporate role, but they're yeah. like, hey, I'm a consultant, I'm a lawyer, I really want to go be an entrepreneur. And yeah. so what we've built is a night program that's very tight yeah. if, as far as what you do each and every week that hopefully gets people on the path of really defining their business idea by the end. So. Right. So we'll be almost like a university as I see it, where there's this kind of larger brand and then there's specific programs happening um, in different locations. Yeah, that's really good. You're taking, uh, I don't mean this pejoratively, but you're taking a page out of Galvanize's book to a certain degree, right? Where it's like, let's create this ecosystem. And I, being in Denver, Galvanize is all around. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I see the success that they've had, but let's create this ecosystem around an education and, and build around that. But I, I, I think that having that flexibility especially in the nonprofit model and being able to do it differently in each each part of the country where it needs to be done differently is is a really admirable way to do it and it's it's actually really refreshing for you as the founder and the and the figurehead i don't know if the ceo is the right title even because there's these different sort of chapters mm-hmm. uh to let go of your baby to a certain degree and to let it and to let it grow up yeah so that's really good well it has to be and, and there's a tension with this which is you know funders 
not only funders, but, you know, a lot of people take comfort in more academic type programs, yeah. you know, like they'd rather see like, I mean, I get this question like, well, do you offer a certificate? And I'm like, well, what's the value of a certificate? <laughs> You're going to hang it on your I wall. Mean, I'll give you like, a certificate. Like, yeah, what do you yeah. want? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, and if you study the Coffin Foundation, which studies entrepreneurship, yep. I mean, their findings on this are, are, are definitive. And, you know, what they've said is, and it's kind of damning if you actually read it, is higher education has not resulted in new venture creation. Mm -hmm. So even though entrepreneurship is the number one major at the University of Chicago Business School, where I went, it's not creating new ventures. Mm -hmm. So people are not going, taking that formal education, translating it to actually starting a business. Right. Nor, they say too, are uh, incubators and accelerators necessarily, because that's a population set that's already kind of opted in. So. Yeah. And so then the question becomes like, well, what is, what is facultative? What, is cause, what causes, what's causation yeah. for new venture creation? And what they've really said is it's about highly networked micro communities. Yeah. And so that hypothesis is really important. And so even like when we talk to federal partners like the VA, I mean, mm -hmm. they, they have a traditional lens on this stuff necessarily. Or if you talk to higher ed and they say, mm -hmm. well, show me your curriculum. What books? <clears throat> and what I say is, Hey, you know, it really like, yes, we have books. Yes, we have a curriculum, but it's about facilitating thriving networks. Yeah. And frankly, what are you doing to facilitate a thriving network yeah. be, besides people chat at break? You know, yeah. like we actually very intentionally build that network. And with the belief that that, that is actually very core to how people end up um, starting and succeeding in business, you know, yeah. it's through that very strong network effect. So, so we always have to lead with the network effect. Some people would rather just see that 20,000 people went through our three day program and, you know, like that would actually yeah. look more comfortable for some people. But I'll tell you that that's just that to me does not feel like the right lever to try to pull with this. Well, what you just said is it doesn't it doesn't lead to results. It doesn't lead, it to, doesn't lead to the end result, which is developing more veteran entrepreneurs. Right. Right. And so what really needs to happen is not more education. It's more action. Absolutely. Right. And so how do you how do you spur action? And what you're what you're reporting is that we need to build more networks, which that will spur more action. And I like the idea of the classes and the ability to let people get from, hey, I'm at a big corporate or I'm a consultant, and I don't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. I have no idea where even to start. I, have, I, I don't even have an idea, but if I did have an idea, I wouldn't even know what, what to do. So mm -hmm. you're, you're helping them bridge that gap, which mm -hmm. is probably a really important step. Exactly. That's great. And I think it's, it's a uniquely compounded problem, I, I think, for veterans, right? So, you know, I joke, but I'm like, you know, 50 years ago, the incubator was the VFW. I mean, that's, you got back yeah. and yeah. you were like... <laughs> Now what I'm going to do, I just got back, I just turned in my uniforms and like, well, I'm going to go to the VFW because that's where people are. That's mm -hmm. where the leaders are, you know, and that sort of was a physical place that also was, I think, the center of the conversation for the, for the community about, you know, veterans, but also a lot of non-veteran things. I mean, yeah. it, it was just sort of a leadership institution in town. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and so if you were a veteran, that's where you'd go primarily just to socialize yeah and i think that's an important point so primarily you'd show up to have a beer and like check in with people and what's up but by the way if you if you wanted to if you needed to get a job that's probably also where you would go because mm -hmm. you knew that that's where everybody was and by the way if you want to start a business that's also where you'd go because that's where you knew you were going to meet you know people that could help make introductions or invest or you know whatever else yeah and um i think what's wrong now and the challenge now is that we've we we don't have good modern day networking mm -hmm. structures. I mean, yep. I think the VFW has sort of had its time and, you know, like we're looking for something new and, you know, young veterans in particular, you know, need a place to come and get plugged in. And I think that, that will drive everything. That's, that's how you solve veteran unemployment. That's how you solve veterans connecting to even like government resources. That's how you solve for veterans starting companies is to give them thriving networks when they get back. And again, I think this stuff happened on autopilot 
in the 1950s you know, and prior. Um, and also, a lot of that was also a function of the fact that everyone was kind of in the military, right? So yeah, you know, there's a larger population. Larger population, mm-hmm. right? And there's other trends happening, like fraternal organizations is sort of not the way of the future. It's more around online communities and social communities and meetup groups and things like that. So we just have to reinvent the playbook. But the playbook, you know, it worked 50 years ago. It'll work again. And it's about getting people in person together. And then from there, a lot of a lot of great things can happen. But I say this stuff, and I speak, you know, at VA conferences and other places, and, and you know, with people that are trying to figure this out. And everyone's trying to invent programs. They're like, well, we need a program to teach veterans. And I'm like, mm-hmm. look, they, they didn't have any programs in yeah. the 1950s. Yeah. And so that's not what's changed. Like everyone in the 1950s came back and got jobs and started businesses. Like that wasn't the issue. What, the issue is that nobody has good networks. Right. And so, you know, to be provocative, I'm like, you know, there ought to be a happy hour in every single city, you know, first Friday of every month that everyone just knows, hey, there's always a veteran happy hour, not to promote drinking, but yeah, yeah. or a coffee hour, you know, but there's always an event where, where people are going to show up. Yep. And those, that's got to be the sort of modality that we that we turn our attention to and mm-hmm. focus on. And again, that's not as, as comfortable. The government doesn't know how to invest in that. I mean, right. they're used to programs. The universities can't deliver this. And even not The government can't invest in that. They can't. Right? There's just no way that they could no, do it. Like no, no. And who wants to go to a, you know, yeah, yeah. A a happy hour sponsored by the sponsored VA. By the VA. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the VA, you know, and I, and I say, and the VA, like, you know, to their credit, I mean, they appreciate this. And they're like, yes, please keep going because mm-hmm. we know that this is not a solution that we can deliver. And right. I keep saying to other veteran organizations, don't expect the VA to fix this for you. I mean, this is like, that's the worst output. You know, like, yeah. we're, we're young, we're innovative, like, we'll figure this out. We yeah, can yeah. do this, you know, but it is about networks. Yeah. It's funny because networking, I think nowadays, has a bad connotation because it wasn't really, I, I, my, I mean, look, you and I weren't alive in the 50s, mm-hmm. but I, my sense is in the 50s when you're going to the VFW, nobody was like, I'm going to go do some networking. Right? It was like, I'm going to go have a beer, mm-hmm. right, for a dime or whatever it cost yeah. back then. And, <laughs> and, and there was inherently networking, and people, I think, understood that. Mm-hmm. But now, when you say, I'm going to go network, I'm going to go do a networking event, for me, I'm just like, oh, geez, that's going to be work. Yeah. Right? It's networking. Yeah. Right? It's not socializing. Right. You end up socializing there. Right. But what happens, and I'm involved with some of these, and I have some groups of veterans, actually. We have a meetup group in Denver that's been around 90 or 100 people. It's generally private. I mean, it's like we try not to let any public people in because it's just we want it to be a social thing that people can go to and just interact with people that friends of friends and things like that. But there's a lot of networking that happens there, even though the mission of it is, hey, we're just getting together for beers just to to get together. There's no business mission. There's no agenda. There's no program at all. Exactly. It's just explicitly we are just here to have a good time. Exactly. But good things happen from that. Absolutely. And that that's so important. And that's exactly the right model, right? So, like, we in Chicago, we, we would never, uh, or we haven't, I wouldn't say we never will, but we, we've never to date published, publicized a networking event. Right. But we've publicized tons of happy hours. You know, mm-hmm. and that's really it. It's like we've just said, hey, we want to get together. We're smart people. We have interesting ideas. Let's have a pitch event. Mm-hmm. Let's just, you know, let's go watch an Army-Navy game. Like, yeah. you know, and I think just coming together and I think this is part of the success of, you know, Team Red, White, Blue and Mission Continues yep. and SVA and these other kind of upstart, younger organizations. That's all it is, just yeah. getting together. Now, a lot of that's – and that's where all the value is, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So the VFW wasn't saying come here for networking. No. no. It was like it was about beer and people. Yeah. And that's, that was it. And I think, 
you know, we, we created a, a sidecar organization in Chicago called the Veterans Leadership Council, mm-hmm. which is unrelated to the bunker. But we saw an opportunity as simplistic as that, yep. which is, hey, there needs to be some mechanism by which young professionals who are veterans still meet because mm-hmm. I was meeting all these veterans through the bunker yeah. and like, Hey, you work at Deloitte. I can't believe that you haven't met Andrew who works at Huron and yeah, yeah. you're in finance and you work at Goldman Sachs, but you you've never talked to the, the, the guy at Baird. Like, yeah. I can't believe that. And so I was doing a lot of this connecting the dots myself from where I sit. And I just thought, you know, there, I can't believe this is actually very obviously the problem that there's no construct to sort of let this group meet. So we created mm-hmm. a thing called the veterans leadership council. The mission is to foster camaraderie. That's it. And again, people look at them, they're like, well, are they focusing on veteran unemployment? I'm like, no. <laughs> now, here's the reality. They're going to end up impacting veteran unemployment to a far greater extent than anybody with any program can. Yeah. Because it's going to be a bunch of veterans who all have jobs and they're in positions of leadership mm-hmm. who get together and talk about life and sports and, yes, the military, yes, families. I mean, just whatever. Yeah. And it's social. But, but through that social vehicle all of the impact will get translated. They'll decide what matters to them. They'll decide how, how to strategically have an impact. Like they will, they'll do it as a group, you know? And so that, that whole vehicle that we created in Chicago, our goal is to try to replicate that in other markets as well in other cities. And we've designed it with a playbook, with a legal infrastructure, with a governance model that we know can be replicated and, and repeated in other places. And so, yeah, I mean, we're kind of on this tear with the bunker. It's about networks with the Veterans Leadership Council. It's mm-hmm. about networks. Um, and if we get you know, young people, veterans, you know, networked with each other. And then, and then ultimately, and this is the other thought, ultimately with their civilian counterparts, you know, that's how we're going to begin to, I think, you know, fix all these other kind of veteran issues that are out there. Yeah. No, I I think there's a huge need for it. And you hear from it. I mean, you hear about it from other, from the civilian counterparts. You hear about it from companies that go, we want to hire more veterans. We want to interact with more veteran causes. But they don't know where to go. Exactly. And they go to you and they go to me and they say, hey, how can you help us? They go to Taylor McLemore for Patriot Boot Camp and they say, how can you help us with this? Exactly. And it takes these organizations that aren't really even organizations. They're just groups of people, groups of like-minded people who want to affect change. And they can do it in a way because it's like, oh, yeah, I like working with I like working with Todd. He's just a good guy to work with. It's mm-hmm. like we watch football games every month together or mm-hmm. whatever. Wait, mm-hmm. He's at my house for Army-Navy and that sort of thing. So exactly. I think it's a really good mission. It's Yeah, and this isn't like – this is not specific to veterans. This is how everyone no. gets a job. Everyone yeah, gets a just, job because you know people. And yeah, exactly. Network. It's like, wow, I met this guy and he's doing this. And, yep. you know, like we had lunch. And and so that's how everyone gets a job. Um, and that is also how veterans get jobs. You know, and so like the, the idea that, you know, it's actually not, you know, to me it's kind of obvious, but we're just going about it with these blunt instruments, which are around job training and, and things that may or may not hit the mark, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we've got to get back to that kind of basic idea that, you know, we've got to build robust networks for people. Um and, you know, for them to continue to have fun together. And that's, mm-hmm. to me, like, part of this is just, like, man, I love being in the Navy. You know, yeah. I got out, but I love being in. And nothing I'm seeing outside reminds me of what it was like when I was in. Mm-hmm. So I was like, gosh, what would, it, what would it look like to build an experience as a veteran that reminded me of being in the military? Yeah. And that's actually what entrepreneurship feels like. That's what, you know, this Veterans Leadership Council and this group getting together. Mm-hmm. All of that is reminiscent to me of, like, the fun, frankly, that I had, like, while in the military. Yeah. Know? Well, the the fun thing about the military was, and is with dealing with veterans too, is that there's a shared experience that you had. So, you were in the Navy, I was in the Army, but we have a set of shared experiences, even though they're totally different branches and we probably did totally different things. Mm-hmm. 
that I know, we both know where each other is coming from to a certain degree. And that applies, like you said, not just to veterans. That applies to entrepreneurs. So when I meet another entrepreneur, why do you meet another person who has been in healthcare services or I meet somebody who knows data science and sales enablement? We can already know, we can already talk about some commonalities and already have an understanding of, oh, yeah, that's, that's really a pain to get through that thing or that struggle. Or, yeah, we, there's, there's, a, there's a set of shared experiences and shared hardship that we both can relate to and that develops an inherent bond yeah it's all there and you know i think what's missing and you said this about companies too there's no shortage of goodwill you know but Mm -hmm. like veterans want to meet each other and they love it Mm -hmm. like when we do like you and i mark you know like we're sitting here we're gonna have you know we're gonna have a beer in a minute yeah we're having this conversation companies universally want to hire veterans yeah and and so and yet, a lot of the infrastructure around supporting veterans is stuck in the same circular conversation, which is like, it's not about attitudes. Mm-hmm. It's actually not about attitudes. Yep. Like, I've never met anybody that's like, I, I don't want to hire a veteran. Everyone <laughs> wants to. So then the question is, we have to look at this as like strategically. Like, well, what's broken? Well, there's no vehicle. There's no mm-hmm. mechanism. There's no exchange where they're going to yep. meet in on terms that they can present employment like they would with everyone else they hire, mm-hmm. you know? So to me, it's not job fairs. It's right. just like, I get it. And you know, it's like, we've tried that vehicle, but I'm like, let's, let's not stop doing job fairs. Let's keep doing job fairs, but let's also try like other like means of like networking connection. Like let's try doing hackathons at companies. Let's mm-hmm. try inviting young veterans out with young, you know, uh, people that work at a, a big company and just put them together for mm-hmm. a luncheon and just yep. let them talk and, you know, let them join a sports league together. Like, yep. Let them join the bunker together. Let them, you know, so, you know, and that's, that's, that's what's missing. That's what we haven't had is these, these exchange models where people that want to meet can meet and we have to get that figured out. And mm-hmm. I think we have to do it soon too. Cause I mean, yeah. it's, if we're just relying on goodwill, we're, we're going to apply the wrong approach to fixing this yep. and then the goodwill is going to run out. Right. Yeah. So we've got to really build these infrastructures, these kind of human networks that can be sustained. Well, it has to really bring value to all parties. Right. right. And that's the end of the day. Oh, yeah. That's how you, that's how things work. Exactly. Right. So you work with a lot of early stage companies, clearly, mm-hmm. and startups, whether they're fundraising or not, uh, and particularly veteran startups. And so maybe you can talk a little bit about one of the things. Let me back up. One of the things that I feel like is the case with veteran startups that I work with or I speak with is that they because they don't have that network, going back to the network thing, they don't have that network of mentors and they don't have that experience of people, other people on the team who know how the startup game works, particularly in the sort of traditional tech fundraising seed, angel VC mm-hmm. sort of methodology. Mm-hmm. They don't have people telling them and really mentoring them on how to pitch their idea, how to, how to sell equity in their company to investors so even though they are probably better equipped because veterans are inherently more able to deal with change and pretty good judges of risk and things like that and Mm -hmm. they usually mission first drive through find a solution at all costs that kind of thing Mm -hmm. they're very suited to be entrepreneurs but i see oftentimes and i see it as an investor and as an advisor to companies there's such a they're they're at such a lower level in terms of the presentation, right? Mm-hmm. It's really just the polish, right? They don't yeah. have the polish on it yet. Yeah. So how do you what, what do you think about that? Do you see that also? Right. And how do you help that? And and how does the bunker help work through that sort of thing? And how do just in general all entrepreneurs, whether they're veterans or not, get to that level of polish where you know they may not have that huge network because they're not in some big startup ecosystem that can provide them with that network? Yeah, exactly. So I, I'd give the same assessment as you, which is. Veterans have great raw talent. They are 
you know, many of them are naturally, not everybody, but lots of them are naturally suited to sort of be entrepreneurs and they have the skill set. What they, but you're right. What they don't have is the understanding of, I mean, some of this is gamesmanship, but it's like, you got to learn the language of entrepreneurship. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to go pitch, like there's a format, to, there's a formula to that. Yeah. It's like writing message traffic in the Navy. Yeah. Like you can't wing it. Like you don't, mm-hmm. and it doesn't even necessarily make sense. But it's the currency of that industry, and so you better understand It's the it. rules of the game. It's the rules of the game, yeah. right? And if you're going to be a management consultant, you've got to know how to make PowerPoints. Right. And if you're, going to be a, if you're going to raise money, you've got to understand how to pitch, mm-hmm. and uh, you've got to have the right presentation of that. It's got to be right. And, uh, and honestly, it's a litmus it's, – it's, for investors, it's de-risking, like, have you, you – know, like, am I going to be the first person to tell you the things that you need to hear for feedback? Like right. nobody wants to be that. So yeah. it's for them, it's like de-risking, like, have you done your homework? Are mm-hmm. you, are you dialed in with the right people? And so, so it matters for all those reasons. Okay. So, so for the veteran who's out there listening right now, it's like, okay, I'm trying to start a company or raise money, you know, run on the assumption that your pitch deck is just not there yet. Right. Like, just assume it's not, <laughs> it's probably not. Yeah. And, and cause all of ours can even get better. So even if yeah. it's great, and then you've got to get plugged in with the network of people that's also trying to raise money. You've got to look at their pitches. You've got to compare what's working with theirs and what's what's not working with yours. And pressure test it like again and again and again and again. Like mm-hmm. and go ask people like, does this make sense? Does this make sense? We at the bunker we do that. That's part. Of, that's core to our model. Like so, okay. every single week, every Thursday morning or Wednesday night, we uh, one company pitches and everyone else gives feedback. And the way we do it is. Very strict time limits. You get seven minutes. Get through your deck. No more than fifteen slides. Tell your story, and then like actually, we do like a silent poll. Like, would you invest? Right, and yeah. usually the results are like no. Right, and then you really surface like, well, why not? You know, mm-hmm. and people elevate different interesting issues, and so it becomes a learned behavior. And everyone takes a turn, and every time somebody and every founder will pitch multiple times, and every time their deck changes and mm-hmm. evolves, and so. You know, I think for veterans, it's like settling in with this idea that this is a very iterative process. Right. Like, it's not like, you know, the precision of the military. Like, mm-hmm. it's it should change every single time. I've never, I never give the same presentation twice because right. I learn something new every time. So, um, it's an iterative process. You're likely to get it wrong, and that's okay. And, you know, you've, and, you know, wrap yourself around people who have gone out and raised money before you. Don't just be in talk mode the whole time. So it's like give your pitch and then sit back and be like, what did you like? What didn't you? And like, you know, honestly, what do you think? And tell me where to go. In Chicago and other cities too, you can hire resources to produce great finished collateral. Like I don't think everyone needs to be a master at PowerPoint because I get that. Like I look at some PowerPoints and I'm like, man, that's a beautiful PowerPoint. I, I technically don't know how to make that. Right. But you've got to have, at the end of the day, a, if you're going to raise money, a, a very tight product, a PowerPoint um, pitch that you can get through and articulate and that is is compelling to the right people it's about the story it's totally about it's the just story. about the story really at the end of the day and, and keeping it simple is important i mean there's a lot of things that we could we could talk about all the principles of a good pitch check and that would be like a rat hole but you know i mean yeah telling a story what problem are you solving who are you solving it for why do they care what the, why would they pay you for it yeah. you know hey better yet prove that you've already solved it so i mean most people if you have not you know if you're worried about creating a powerpoint presentation for a problem that you want to go solve take that time and spend it in solving the problem do it with yourself right if you think it's a problem that um, lenders can't get to you know construction projects that are five million dollars or vice versa go make an introduction and get a one one construction project closed by an introduction that you make Mm -hmm. and then you have actually a story 
Like if you have not actually solved the problem that you're that you're offering to solve, right? And I don't care if you did it because you got people in a room over coffee and solved the problem. Or you yeah, you can do it with slide deck. I mean, do you it with a slide in, deck, but you know. You, but like you've got validation from your prospective customer saying, "Yes, this is a problem. Yes, your solution is something that solves that problem in some form or fashion, and I'm willing to pay for it." Exactly. Right. You have to show that somehow. Otherwise, it's yeah. like you're in the world of hypotheticals, and yeah. that's challenging. So, so. That's a long way of saying it's not just about a beautiful slide deck. It is actually about pressure testing the solution. Yeah. Like the solution has to make sense. So a great PowerPoint without having delivered on the, the proposed solution doesn't make sense. And a, a terrible PowerPoint around a problem that you really are solving um, is also going to present challenges for how you actually go raise money or if you can't tell that story in a clean way. Right. So the, the bunker is... In my opinion, you're probably like, it's not there yet, but it's a a successful startup. Mm -hmm. And you've been at it now for two years? Yeah, but well, a year and a half. Year and a half? Mm -hmm. So what's been the biggest challenge slash surprise, you know, challenge, I guess, if it's sort of a negative, maybe surprise, if it's a positive, something you didn't think was going to happen in this journey that you've been on for the last year and a half, two years? I didn't think that we would launch in other cities Mm -hmm. than we have. I didn't think that we... Would um, and why I, do you think you have? If you, that wasn't your goal, maybe it maybe it was your goal, but if it, if you're somewhat surprised by that, why did that happen? I didn't realize how. So I actually I came into this not having any sense of what's the size of the marketplace. Right. So, like as a startup, right? Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, the problem that we're solving is helping military ne- veterans in Chicago get networked. Right. I didn't know how many military veteran entrepreneurs there were. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how many are in Chicago. I don't know, like you know, how many companies there are. Like I I just didn't know. Right. Right. And then. But that was the sort of problem that we were solving, and people agreed this is an important problem to solve, mm-hmm. right? It's like, so I knew the statistic that 25% of veterans want to start companies, but something like six, only 6% will. So right. that was true. So it was a good problem that we were going to solve. I knew of a couple. But what I, what I learned quickly was that this is very much a national network. Oh, yeah. Like, we are a national network. Like, yeah. veterans listening to this podcast are not doing it because they're wherever you live, Mark. It's, mm-hmm. it's They're listening because they're veteran. And mm-hmm. so... That was like the immediate, like, oh, like, right, this is a national network. Mm-hmm. And so then when you realize it's a national network, it's actually very exciting because you're like, okay, what does it mean to sort of nationalize this whole opportunity? Mm-hmm. It's hard raising money as a nonprofit, but there's a weird thing in the veteran space, I think probably in most nonprofit spaces where, and this is true of investors too, actually, as a startup. Nobody wants to be first money in, nobody wants to be last money in. Right. So I went, you know, and with, with, with colleagues built this thing and bootstrapped it. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to wait for, I'm not going to wait for funding. Mm-hmm. Like I have to go build this. Like, right. cause like the clock is ticking. We said, we're doing it. I stood up at a press conference with the mm-hmm. mayor and was like, we're building the bunker. I put lines in the sand that were irretractable. Like, Hey, we're launching November 1st. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to, we're going to have hopefully 15 companies. It was in the tribune. You can't undo that. And so I like that because that puts pressure on me. That's like, okay, like, you said it. And that actually is sort of the necessary ingredient to kind of get you going. And right. so so we declared it. We said it's happening. And then we we started to make it happen. And then once you actually do it, and again, it's not a chicken or egg. Mm-hmm. I mean, people always are like, oh, it's chicken and egg with starting a business. I'm like, no, it's not chicken and egg. Like, you always, always have to take the first move. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And then the investor is like the third, fourth, fifth move. Yeah. And so we took moves one and then moves two and then moves three. And then, you know, the fourth move was Wintrust, which is a local bank coming in with a six-figure check. Nice. Sight on scene. Like, we believe it. And so then I was like, okay, 
this is real, this is happening, now we're launched. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, privately as the founder, you breathe a huge sigh of relief. Like, okay, right. great. Because I really needed that check, and I'm not going to project that. But, you know, otherwise yeah. it's coming After out. the fact, you're like, whoo. Yeah, like, all right, we got okay. it. Yeah, exactly. Like, we're off. <laughs> yep. You know, because I'm, you know, I'm bootstrapping this myself and paying for it. And yeah, I, yeah. I also run a business. And right. so I'm like, you know, I don't know how long we can go without having, you know, without some paying sort of, Some sort of funding source. Sure. Yeah. Or I'm just paying for it myself. And that's right. fine for a while. But until, you know, until it's not... And then the beauty is now, like, all that gets much easier. So we're having, like, now year two problems, which are much better than year one problems, mm-hmm. you know, because now it's like we've established a brand, we've built a brand, yep. fundraising gets easier. But now it's scale problems and things like that. It's a scale problem. Yeah. It's a scale and impact problem. I mean, it's yeah. always an impact problem. But you're like, okay, yeah, how do we scale? And then how? What is, what is it that we're delivering? Like, really, like, to your question, like... What are we delivering? Is it like real? Is it real? Is it consistency around a programmatic approach, or mm-hmm. is it like a thriving network? Okay, or right. well, it's both, right? But how do we ensure a thriving network then happens in all these cities? Yeah. You know, how do we do this in a distributed way? Since I'm not, I'm, I can't be in all cities, and and that's not s- sustainable. How do we do this in a scalable way? How do mm-hmm. we do this in a sustainable way? So, asking you know more sophisticated questions um, this year that are a luxury of having sort of survived and excelled in the first year. You've been through it. Yeah, you've been through that's it. That's good. Yeah, and there's no shortcut. And, you know, I think, like, we have to always role model as an organization what it means to be entrepreneurial. Yeah. Like, we can't flinch. Like, we have to absolutely do the stuff that entrepreneurs have to do. And, like, there's no no shortcuts. No, there's not. Whether it's a nonprofit or a business, like, this is the work. Yeah. Well, this has been really great. I think you're doing awesome things. I love love seeing veteran entrepreneurs, and I love seeing networks develop that really support veterans. I'm a huge supporter of Patriot Boot Camp. I love what the bunker is doing. We're going to talk offline about some things we can do in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And I I just get really, really excited about seeing these sorts of things. First of all, I'm humbled and I'm honored that I'm sort of have found myself in this position. Like I couldn't have designed for this. And it's a total... It's it's humbling, and I look at the people, and I'm inspired by these other entrepreneurs and people that are out there doing things and creating podcasts and content and thought leadership. And I mean, I, I, you know, I have the privilege of sort of having, hopefully, beginning to create a platform that other people are going to populate. Yeah. Like, there's so many other smarter people than me that are jumping in, and I'm like, man, this is this is awesome because I don't have any of the answers. I mean, I have my thoughts and I'm, I'm happy to offer them, but like really my aspiration is build a, a platform where smarter people than me come mm-hmm. together. Investors that have more money than me come together. Right. You know, entrepreneurs come together. And so I view myself as sort of the architect, but everyone else needs to come play a part. Mm-hmm. And so to everyone that's listening, like everyone has a part to play in this whole thing. We are launching bunkers in new cities. Um, we have a sort of playbook for how that works. But really, you know, as it, as in all things, it's all about leadership. Right. It is all about leadership. And people are like, "Well, how do I know if I'm qualified to run a bunker?" I'm like, "Well, if you if you if you successfully launch a bunker, then you're qualified. Then you know you are yeah, after the fact. Yeah, you find out after the fact. Like, I'm, I'm qualified. You know, and if and if you and if you if you try and it doesn't click, like it's it's not on you. That's doesn't okay. mean you're unqualified either. Doesn't mean you're unqualified either. It just wasn't click. the right timing or yeah, something, something didn't happen. Right. So we just reflect and move yeah. on, and like it's okay to make mistakes. Like, Learning man, experience. Make tons of mistakes. You yeah. know. So we are continuing to grow and expand and create new chapters. Uh, check us out at bunkerlabs.org. We have classes in the different cities that we're in. Um, people can create veterans leadership councils. People can launch bunkers. Um, people can join the, our online community. People can take our online classes. Like there's lots of there's lots of kind of ways to to plug in. They can come to our events, and we hope to meet in person. And look, the minimum viable product. Everyone's like, well, what's the bunker? I'm like, look, the MVP is. 
get together with another veteran who's also trying to start a business. Mm-hmm. Like, congratulations, you've just created a bunker. There's the bunker. There, there it is. And then, like, the rest is details. But get together with other people that are trying to start companies. And, you know, when two are gathered, you know, things begin to happen. So um, that's my encouragement. And I really I commend everyone that's out there in the grind starting their businesses. You guys are the heroes. Like, the future of the American economy, it's not about small business. It's about new ventures. Right. It's about risk-taking. And that is what veterans do in uniform, and that's what veterans are doing in entrepreneurship. Yeah. Very well said. Very well said, Todd. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Look forward to continue to watch the Bunker Labs grow in the future, and really appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark.